Day 34. Today marks the halfway point between my surgery and my next surgeon's appointment. The exact significance of that date is not clearly established, but I have made it a focal point. I know it will not be the absolute finishing point, but my hope is that it will mark significant progress. One of the things that is a recurring theme in the Olympics is that the second half of the race is where the placings are really decided. I'm not winning any medals here, but my aim is to keep going strong. I have a picture on my desktop today, which is a sign on a walking track that reads Halfway Point. There is graffiti on the sign in the picture that amuses me as someone has scrolled the words Don't you believe it? This sentiment is definitely strong at halfway. I was back in the office today after a good few days off. Today, I'm thankful for the inspiration to persevere. From the examples of Nick Willis, Tom Walsh, Lisa Carrington, Damian Warner and other exceptional athletes. I'm also grateful for the hard work, encouragement and support of an exceptional wife. I wonder how I will look back on these days. I do my best to present as happy and resilient, but there are certainly frustrations, fears and doubts. How do I lead when I don't feel up to it? What is my backup plan when things crumble or fail? Number 34 is unusual in that it has an inscription connecting the psalm to a historical episode in the life of its author. It reads, Of David, when he pretended to be insane before Abimelech, who drove him away and he left. These events are recorded in 1 Samuel, when David, in fear of his life, fled from Saul and hid in Gath. It appears he hopes to take refuge under the protection of the king of Gath or at least find anonymity. Plans fall apart when King Ashish, also called Abimelech, servants recognise him as a king with a reputation as a warrior. David is described as being very much afraid of Ahish and how he will respond to the revelation of his true identity. He's arrested and becomes a prisoner. He is gone from the proverbial frying pan into the fire. David's solution to this dilemma is to feign insanity. He has already lied to the priest in the temple at Nob and covered up the reality of his situation. In Gath, the pretense extends further, not just disguising his circumstances, but denying his identity as king of the land and intentionally deceiving them as to the state of his mind. He makes marks on the doors and foams at the mouth. David humiliates himself before them. In their culture, the beard is a sign of respect and authority. Having spit all over his beard was proof that he was nobody of importance or honour. This strategy proves to be an effective way of being dismissed by the king and being sent away rather than held captive. 
as she said to his servants, Look at the man, he is insane. Why bring him to me? Am I so short of madmen that you have to bring this fellow here to carry on like this in front of me? Must this man come into my house? This whole series of events does not paint David in the best of lights. I like David better when he's trusting God, running towards Goliath, than when he's in fear of his life, running away to Gath. The problem is, I have way more Gath than Goliath moments in my own life. I too easily default to become like David, where fear drives his behaviour and he chooses denial and deception. Loneliness and isolation, in particular, make poor decisions more likely. David is alone on this journey from Nob to Gath. His attempts to make things better only make them worse. Desperate times necessitate extreme action. It's unclear if the pretense of madness is an idea prompted by God or an imperfect solution that the Lord uses to effect David's release. God uses dysfunctional people with imperfect plans and impure motives and works things together for good. When he leaves Gath and escapes to the cave of Adullam, something interesting happens. News starts to spread about where he is, and he is soon less alone. All those who were in distress or in debt or discontented gathered round him, and he became their commander. About 400 men were with him. We do not know when the psalm was written during these events. Were it not for the annotation, there is very little in the song itself that directly relates to the events in question. What the connection does do is to give an insight into what is going on inside David. We glimpse that despite what it looks like on the outside, there has been a turning back to the Lord. I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. David testifies that in the midst of all that has been going on, he has sought the Lord and his fears have been removed. He has moved from fear to faith. He underlines that those who look to God shine and are never in shame. The emphasis on faces not being covered with shame is an interesting contrast to the saliva-soaked beard of shame he has recently displayed. I've not appreciated this when I was thinking about halfway this morning, that the message uses related imagery in today's psalm. God met me more than halfway. He freed me from my anxious fears. Look at him. Give him your warmest smile. Never hide your feelings from him. When I was desperate, I called out, and God got me out of a tight spot. God's angel set up a circle of protection around us while we pray. Open your mouth and taste. Open your eyes and see how good God is. Blessed are you who run to him. Worship God if you want the best. Worship opens doors to all his goodness. I appreciate the realisation that in a desperate time, 
God has come to meet him, that he has been liberated from anxiety and fear, that God has got him out of a situation of danger, protected and rescued him. He explains that he has learned that looking to the Lord puts scary circumstances into perspective and that lies are not the way to secure the future we desire. Come, my children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good days, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from telling lies. The other thing that stands out to me in this psalm is the shout out to the poor and the afflicted. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. In the cave, the people that gather round David are not the wealthy, powerful, glamorous or intelligent. They are distressed, discontented and in debt and David becomes their commander. A ragtag group who the world have written off gather round a king in exile and begin to love and serve him. I'm not currently in a cave, but I am part of a gang of ne'er-do-wells and nobodies who gather round a king in exile and together love and serve him. From David in Gath and the outcasts in the cave, we have a stark reminder that image counts for very little. It is what is going on inside that matters. Where is my focus? Who do I trust? What do I fear? Where is my gath where I imagine I will be safe and life will be better? I need deliverance from my own deceptions and delusions. David has worked out that refuge in Gath is not the answer, but rescue rather comes to those who take refuge in the Lord. God pays for each slave's freedom. No one who runs to him loses out.